You're listening to Comedy Central. January 15, 2020. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Our guest tonight is from the hit show Blackish, and now she stars in the hit spin-off show Grownish. Yara Shahidi is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's episode, Ronnie Chang shows us the future. The Bernie and Warren fight is dragging in other candidates, and Democrats just hand-delivered Trump's ass to him. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with a crazy story out of Los Angeles, where a Delta Airlines flight had to make an emergency landing. But it was the people on the ground who were the most afraid. We start with that breaking news from Los Angeles, where dozens of children and adults have received medical treatment after the crew of a China-bound Delta Airlines jet forced to return to LAX after losing an engine, dumped fuel as it passed just a few thousand feet above neighborhoods and schools. The Boeing 777, with 164 people aboard, headed to Shanghai, China, was airborne only minutes when it was forced to circle back. Streams of fuel poured over three local schools, where 44 children and adults complained of skin irritation, suffering from minor injuries. Man, that must have been terrifying. Los Angeles gets jet fuel sprayed on them from above. And worst of all, it's not even organic. (laughs) Yeah. This is also probably how God punishes you for not nominating women directors, L.A. That's what it is. (laughs) Now, fortunately, no one in the schools was seriously hurt. But I I like to imagine that there was one rebel kid sneaking out behind the school to smoke a cigarette. Yeah? (laughs) And his friend was like, no, Mike, cigarettes are dangerous. And he's like, don't be such a bitch. Now, now, in case you're wondering why the schools, in the pilot's defense, they had to dump the fuel because the plane lost an engine because it's a Boeing. So it makes sense. <laughs> but, but, like, did they have to dump it over the schools? It almost feels personal, right? Like, three schools. You know, it's almost like one of the pilots went to those schools and his co-pilot was like, let's dump the fuel over this vacant lot. He's like, no, no, I got the perfect place. <laughs> Take that, Mr. Engelbert! <laughs> All right, let's move on, though, to some legal news. America has always had weird old laws that no one realizes are still in effect. And one man who's getting divorced is trying to take advantage of that. A Kansas man has asked an Iowa court to let him settle a dispute with his ex-wife with a trial by combat. The Des Moines Register reports David Ostrom asked the Shelby County Court to give him 12 weeks lead time in order to forge katana swords. In those documents, Ostrom argues trial by combat has not been explicitly banned or restricted in the United States. Trial by combat? Wow. When this couple said, till death do us part, they meant it. This would be like if Marriage Story was directed by Quentin Tarantino. And I honestly feel sorry for the wife, because getting divorced is already hard enough. You know, usually it's like, oh, my ex is so annoying. He wants the kids this weekend, and we agreed. And now it's like, oh, my ex is so annoying. He won't stop texting me about how I only have six more weeks to forge my own weapon. 
And by the way, how crazy is it that people are like, well, trial by combat was never explicitly banned, so I guess it's still a thing? <laughs> like, how backlogged is America's legal system? Right? Because this, this doesn't bode well for something like reparations, you know? Because think about it. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, reparations are going to take a while. We're still trying to outlaw jousting. <laughs> I will say this, though. I will say this. This is a great loophole if you just want to murder someone. Yeah. Like, if someone at work is stealing your lunch out of the fridge, you can just run up to them like, Jerry, I challenge you to a duel, huh? Yeah! <laughs> and then everyone in the office has to be like, God damn, Jerry lost the shit out of that duel. <laughs> and finally... Last night's Democratic debate featured some fiery exchanges, particularly between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. But it turns out the real drama happened after the main event was over. One-time allies, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, the two senators, they're working through some issues. They had this moment after the debate where Senator Warren left Bernie Sanders hanging as he tried to shake her hand. That was followed by a brief but noticeably tense exchange Tom Steyer there, in the deciding I'm not going to get in the middle of all this right <laughs> well, now. Too late. Wow. This beef between Bernie and Warren is really heating up. And you know what that means? Trial by combat! <laughs> That's how they do it in Iowa, baby! <laughs> and by the way, how cute is Tom Steyer? He's, like, oblivious to the whole tense situation. He's just, he's so cheerful. He's just like, wow, what a fun debate, guys. You guys thinking what I'm thinking? TGI Fridays? No, Bernie? Applebee's? What do you want? Now, everyone has been trying to figure out what Bernie and Elizabeth Warren were saying to each other. They don't want to tell anybody. They haven't said anything to the press about this mini fight. No one knows. Nobody knows what they said, except The Daily Show. Because, you see, we have high-tech technology that picked up their conversation. Bernie, did you see the Oscar noms? Little Women, what a snub. What? Greta Gerwig, best director. Uh, If we're talking snubs, Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems was snubbed. Uncut what? They don't respect the Sandman. I saw cats. Square money bags. Wow, that was intense. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. (laughs) Impeachment. It's when Congress puts the president in airplane mode. With the world recently on the brink of World War III, you might have forgotten that impeachment is still happening. So let's catch up on the latest developments in another installment of The Magical Wonderful Road to Impeachment. That's probably presidential harassment. You may remember that after Trump was impeached back in December, Nancy Pelosi didn't pass the articles on to the Senate. Instead, she chose to hold on to them tight, tighter than Mike Pence's sphincter in a room with two women. <laughs> yeah, temptation often passes through the back door. But, but today, after a month of tension, Pelosi finally announced she's handing the articles over to the Senate so that they can hold the trial. And I don't know what was going on with Nancy today, but at her press conference, she seemed a little spaced out. Good morning, everyone. This is a very important day for us. And as you know, I reference temporal markers that our founders and our poets and others have used over time uh, to place us in time, to emphasize the importance of time, because everything is about time. Yeah, and speaking of timing, it feels like Pelosi's edibles just kicked in at the wrong moment there. (laughs) What was that? 
All of us are just clocks telling time. We all have hands and faces and little tiny batteries. Now, I, I think, I think the point Pelosi was trying to make is that she feels that after a month of waiting, now is the right time to pass impeachment to the Senate. But handing over the articles of impeachment isn't as simple as handing over your mom to a nursing home. No, an occasion like this calls for a little ceremony. They are going to be marching the articles from the House chamber, through the statuary hall, through the rotunda, along the second floor of the Capitol, past the old Senate chamber, through the Ohio clock corridor, and then eventually to the Senate chamber. Those documents now are are being taken from the House of Representatives through Statuary Hall. They'll be going into the Capitol rotunda uh, to the Senate to present the articles of impeachment. Mr. President, I have been directed by the House of Representatives to inform the Senate the House has passed HRES 798, a resolution appointing and authorizing managers for the impeachment trial of Donald John Trump. President of the United States. So we're all just going to pretend nobody invented email? (laughs) Is that what's happening? It's 2020. Just send it as a PDF. (laughs) These people are marching the articles down the hallway. It looks like the most morose pizza delivery ever. (laughs) That'll be (laughs) $24.99. And just as an aside, what was up with that graphic? What was that from the news? Huh? We don't need to see an arrow making love to the center chamber to understand how people enter a room. They're walking across the building. It's a straight line. It's a hallway. We get it. So now, so now that the Senate has the articles of impeachment, the big fight is now going to be about whether or not the trial will include new witnesses and new evidence. Because you see, just yesterday, we learned new details about Trump and his shady dealings with Ukraine. The new evidence collected by congressional investigators comes from Lev Parnas, an associate of Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, 59 pages of records, including text messages, emails, and handwritten notes, including one scrawled on hotel stationery that reads, quote, get Zelensky to announce that the Biden case will be investigated. And there's a letter from Giuliani requesting a meeting with Ukraine's then-president-elect Zelensky, emphasizing Giuliani was working in his capacity as personal counsel to President Trump and with his knowledge and consent. No, seriously? They wrote down the plot of their crime and then kept it? (laughs) That is a literal paper trail. Why would you do that? What, were they just hanging around like, you have to keep the receipts? Like, isn't that taxes? No, no, it's for crimes, too. You have to keep them. Only Donald Trump would hire henchmen who are also into scrapbooking. Like, they're like a bunch of criminal Martha Stewarts, you know, also known as Martha Stewarts. So, so that's where we are now. That's the latest update. We are on the cusp of the Senate trial with new information still trickling out as we speak. And we'll see how many senators decide they're interested in hearing more evidence. But at least for Nancy Pelosi, her job is now done. She held the hearings, she made impeachment happen, and she passed the articles on to the Senate. And now she's earned some time, much needed time, to chill with Kelso and Fez in the basement. I was thinking about the Incredible Hulk. I like that show. Especially the part where he gets all, like, mad and turns green and then his shirt rips off. But then I was thinking, like, what if he was purple? And a lady... As you know, I reference temporal markers that our founders and our 
poets and others have used over time uh, to place us in time to emphasize the importance of time because everything is about time. So, no more for Nancy. She's toasted. I knew Nancy had that good shit. We'll be right back. The future is coming fast, and it's here now, which means Ronnie Chang is back with another installment of Today's Future Now. Thanks, Trevor. The Computer Electronics Show in Las Vegas just wrapped up. It's the annual convention where tech companies show off new gadgets so useless they make men's nipples seem functional. (laughs) And this year was no exception. The nation's most anticipated tech show of the year opens its doors to the public today in Las Vegas. The Consumer Electronics Show, CES, gives us a glimpse of the new technology that will be making its way into our lives. This year at CES, there's a faucet I can talk to. If turning on the faucet ever feels like a lot of work, then meet the You by Moen smart faucet. It takes voice commands. Hey, Google, ask Moen to dispense two cups of water. Getting mowing. Wave over sensor to dispense two cups now. Two cups. At last, a faucet that takes 30 minutes to fill a cup. <laughs> who is this for? Is there someone out there who's like, finally, a sing for me? The guy who wants to drink exactly two cups of water and not a drop more. I don't want to be overhydrated and I don't want to be underhydrated. I want to be perfectly hydrated. (laughs) Also, by the way, every faucet is a faucet you can talk to if you're very, very lonely, okay? Trust me. (laughs) What what would impress me if they actually invented a faucet that you can't talk to, okay? It's like you ask it for a cup of water and it's like, look, I'm just not ready to open up right now, okay? (laughs) And if you're hoping CES will bring us the latest advancements in artificial intelligence, well, keep hoping because the robot uprising is going to take a while. Samsung has unveiled Neon, the world's first artificial humans, and this year's consumer electronics show in Las Vegas. These virtual beings look and behave like humans. Creators claim that the human avatars have the ability to converse and sympathize like real people. Okay, so I'm about to get to chat with Neon and ask it a few questions. Here we go. And my questions are going to be relayed by Simon here to Neon. Neon, what's your favorite food? Neon, what's your favorite food? Pizza. Wow. Millions of dollars in research and development, and that's the big revelation. Pizza. I bet that's the only word she knows. It's like, hey, Neon, how do we solve climate change? And two hours later, it's like, pizza. And also, how does it even know it likes pizza? How can you trust something that's never eaten before? That's like asking the Pope about his favorite sex position. He's not qualified to answer, okay? And what kind of sorry-ass tech demo is this? Why do I have to ask the guy to ask the robot for me? Does Does he come with the computer? Imagine if that's how it worked with Siri. It's like, hey, Siri, turn on the lights. I mean, sorry, hey, Derek. Tell Siri to turn on the lights. (laughs) Thanks, Derek. 
But luckily, not all the stupid stuff at CES is useless this year. Because one new invention might actually change our lives. A company called DNA Nudge helps shoppers make healthier decisions while grocery shopping based on their DNA. So you go into the supermarket, take a DNA test, and then you wear a band that scans groceries as you shop to recommend the best food for you based on your DNA. So what, what I can do if I'm wearing this device is turn up to the supermarket and actually scan a product, and that, that went red. So that means this isn't ideal for my body chemistry. Okay, DNA grocery shopping kind of sounds like it might make sense. Although, I gotta be honest, this whole thing sounds like the world's worst Lizzo remix, all right? I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm 100% buying Cheetos. Yo, we don't need a DNA test to know that we need to eat healthy food, okay? Let me help you out. If what you're eating comes in a box with a cartoon character on it, it's bad for you, okay? There, I just saved you $200. Eating healthy isn't that complicated. F*** your DNA. Just eat more vegetables, okay? We don't need to map the human genome to know that it's a bad idea to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Just taste the DNA. Are you, are you Irish? Eat more vegetables. Are you, are you Chinese? Eat more vegetables. Oh, you're 2% West African and 98% Swedish? Well, eat more vegetables. And by the way, that just means you're white. Ronnie, Ronnie, you seem especially upset by this DNA service. Hell yeah, I am. I gave it my DNA. It told me to eat more walnuts and that I'm adopted, okay? Which sucks because I hate walnuts. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to ask Derek to ask Siri to ask my faucet to get me a new slice of pizza. Ronnie Chang, everyone. We'll be right back. is an inspiring young woman, an actor, an activist, a college student who stars in the hit freeform series, Grownish. Please welcome Yara Shahidi. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's been almost two years to it the day since I've sat in this years chair. To the day, what was great is when you were here, you were promoting the launch of Grownish. Yes. And now we are celebrating season three, kicking off. Congratulations. I know. Thank you so this much. This is really exciting. I, you know what I love about the show particularly? It feels like it mirrors your life. You know, we're, <laughs> we're watching you in the show playing this girl who grows into a young woman and you start to experience changes in life where it's like how you work, how you live, love yeah. life, work life, political life, everything. What are you most excited about in the upcoming season? Well, I feel like season three is the culmination of everything we've worked towards in season one and two. We've established the relationships. You know who her friends are. You know what she's gone through. And she's actually figuring out what it means to be an adult. Like, this is when the title actually comes into play because she's grown. And she has a job for the first time for more than four hours, which is really (laughs) impressive. Um, And so I think this season you see her try and figure out what her values uh, are as she enters the adult world and is no longer even having that barrier of what it means to just be a college student. Right. Yeah. It, it, it really is like, like a journey that we all take for granted in life because, mm-hmm. you know, we, I, I always feel like in life, we always feel like we've figured it out and we've yes. grown. We always think we're grown. Like oh, yeah. you're 16, you're like, I'm grown. Then you're like 18, you're like, I'm grown. Then you're 25, <laughs> you're like, I'm grown. And then at some age, you're like, I'm never grown. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but, but when you're looking at this character and when you're looking at your character, how do you 
how do you split them up? And then where do you find the moments where like Yara ties into the character that we see in the show? Right. I feel like Zoe's become my alter ego. I've played her for six years going on seven years, which is surreal. And I'm grateful for that. But it means that like I've had the opportunity to literally live a double life playing a character that's a year older than me. Right. It's like being in the future, but also a future where you're not in your own body. Because it's like I would never find myself in this situation doing Adderall. But <laughs> it's useful to know the repercussions. Right. <laughs> and so I think for me, it's been uh, like really fun to even just have that opportunity as a young human to live my fullest life through Zoe and then go back to being Yara, which is um, not a square, but a quadrilateral. I like that. I feel So you're basically living like life you're doing all the wrong things that the rest of us <laughs> yeah. don't get to erase. And then you go like, no, that was just in the show. Yeah, and then they say cut. And, and then you're done. Back. Yeah, and it's so fun because I, I feel like Gronish was actually a perfect prep course for life because I'm somebody that um, tends to think of things as pretty linear of like, okay, you make a mistake, you learn from it, you uh-huh, move on uh-huh, and you grow. Uh-huh. And there's something really beautiful about p- playing a character that consistently messes up right. because I feel like that's affected my own view of like, okay, life is circular and that's okay and I'm settling into that. And college I considered the 13th grade in which I feel like you never leave high school, you just repeat high school again, but oh, you do. you're older. Oh, you keep, you do. You repeat it in college and then high school happens again in like the work environment. And then I bet even in an old age home, someone's in a locker. <laughs> right. Someone is being stuffed into a locker. Oh, it gosh. never ends. Yes. I, I, I am fascinated by that, that notion because like as Yara Shahidi, there's one thing people know and love about you. And that is you are truly one of the smartest, most thoughtful human beings that just exists in the world, right? And you, yeah. it, it, you, you're engaged, you read, you, you, you're knowledgeable. I mean, Oprah literally said, I just hope that I'm around to see Yara as president of the United States. That's what Oprah Winfrey said. Like, people asking her, when are you going to run? She's like, no, when is Yara going to win? There's a lot of pressure that comes with that as a person. But, but you found a way to remain young while still being engaged in areas that people think a lot of young people wouldn't be, you know? Um, not even just politics. Like, I, I appreciated you. You had a post where you just talked about, like, issues with skin. Mm-hmm. And you posted, you know, just, like, a bare face on Instagram. And you talked yeah. about, like, why it was important to do that. Why do you do that? Um, well, honestly, I feel like my public life is really an extension of what's been established with my family and the foundation that I have at home. And so oftentimes I, I think what Blackish did and then Gronish did and then just being out in the world as Yara was give me an opportunity to talk about just the conversations we've had in which we're always talking about politics. We're always talking about it was my 11 year old brother who introduced me to all my economic podcasts I listen to. Wow. Uh, and Your 11 so, year old brother. Yes. So and have I think, you heard these economic podcasts? It was like Freakonomics and Planet Money and a ton of NPR podcasts that wow. he listens to in his free time. Uh, and so... He doesn't have free time? He's 11? What does the free time mean? What does that mean? I don't... Well, he also has a green screen in our front room, so he's making films. Like, ah, of course. Yes, seven. carry on. Yes. Um, it's, it's called Asan is Everything Productions. Got it. I love it. It's a subtle title. But I, I think... <laughs> Really, the reason that it's important to me is that the idea of being out in the world, it becomes really trivial if you don't have a greater purpose. Because quite honestly, if I don't feel like I am progressing towards something greater than myself, then I look and I'm like, I have made 22 minutes worth of content in the past five days. 
and that's, that's it. great. Right. Yeah, that's it. And so I, I think that's why it's been important that Gronish talks about issues. I feel like it's important that I'm out in the world talking about just what affects me and my family because selfishly I see my peers being affected. I see my own family being affected. And the fact that I have the, the safety right now to be in conversation and yeah. also have places where, I mean, the fact that I was 17 here for the first time right. and you've opened this platform for me to talk about the importance of voting and young people, I think demonstrates why I like to do what I do with the opportunities I've been given. So thank you. You, you. you really use them well, which I've always admired, honestly, as, as a human being. Um, because, as you said, 17, most of us would be just thinking about, well, in our country, it was like getting ready to drink for the first time. <laughs> right? Because 18 is the legal age. But, mm-hmm. but you at 17 were going, no, I, uh, I'm looking to get people to register to vote. I want as many young people to vote as possible. Your, your excitement at 18 was like, I'm going to vote in the midterm. That was like your thing. It was. And you were genuinely excited about it. It wasn't was. like, this wasn't like a TV excitement. Like, Yara was like, oh, man, 18, <laughs> here my it comes. My friends always said the only reason I'd ever get a fake ID at 17 was to prematurely vote. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is the most on-brand thing that's ever been said about me. Right, and, and now you, you are, you're getting ready. I mean, 20 is, it's another big year for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be 20 this year, and... 2020, giant election coming up. This is going to be your first presidential election. What do you hope, not for yourself, but for other young people who didn't turn out last time because they feel like voting doesn't matter and their vote doesn't count? Well, I I think what this last year and a half, if not the past three years, have really demonstrated is why policy is personal. And I I think through the actions of this administration, but just what we're experiencing globally right now has demonstrated why it's so much more than this theoretical debate about the economy, this theoretical debate about um, health rights and such, but why it's a conversation that takes place in your neighborhood and your community. And so as of right now, what I've been experiencing is not even having to convince young people like, hey, you should be concerned about voting. Mm -hmm. But really, it's been a matter of like, how can I be a liaison in terms of resources and access? Because it's confusing. Like, I literally had my uh, little voter handbook annotated. Like, it was a full homework assignment to figure out where to find information on policies and such. And I'm somebody that gets to spend, I don't know, an absurd amount of time just listening to the news and then talking to people about the news. And it was still extremely confusing for me. And so I think it's a matter of just being able to say the passion's already there and how do we translate that into actual policy action by explaining what's happening. Wow. <laughs> I look forward to campaigning for you when you are running for office for the United States presidency. Thank you so much for being on the show again. Always an amazing guest. Season three of Bronish premieres January 16th on Freeform. Make sure you watch it. Yara Shahidi, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 